What a pile of more colourful characters is the IFP MP Mario Ambrosini, who tragically is dying of cancer. But he was in Parliament today making an impassioned appeal to President Jacob Zuma and his government to decriminalise the medical use of dacha. He admits to legally having smoked dacha, illegally having smoked dacha in South Africa as an alternative treatment to his condition. And he's saying, I was supposed to die many months ago, but I'm here now the courage of taking illegal treatments in Italy and here in South Africa in the form of cannabis, marijuana or dacha. Otherwise, I would be pumped full of morphine and I wouldn't be able to speak to you, Mr. President, said Mr. Ambrosini in Parliament today. Well, government has gazetted a proposal for the legalisation of medical cannabis under the Medical Innovation Bill of 2014. Tonight, five reasons why government is considering this. Well, with me in studio uh, this evening to talk about it is Neil Kirby, who's the head of the healthcare and life sciences practice at Worksman's Attorneys. Why is government even considering uh, legalizing something that not so long ago and many people still consider as a very dangerous drug. I think because it, uh, there's this perception that cannabis holds uh, a number of potential treatment cures for a number of diseases or ailments and it's um, a little bit undervalued at the moment and it should be placed more centrally in what we consider to be our healthcare regime. How much scientific evidence is there to support the hypothesis that this is in fact the case? We've got lots of anecdotal evidence. People will phone in and tell us how they've got lots of aches and pains and the only thing that relieves that pain is to make a nice pot of tea or to make a nice batch of muffins or to have a nice smoke. Look, the, the way in which the, the, the evidence is working is, is that there's as much on the side for as there is on the side against. And it depends, you know, where you are. We aren't the first country to have this debate. California went through it, and it, it was it was heated. There were there were camps of people for the the the, the medical use of mm. of marijuana, and those against the medical use altogether of marijuana. Because, well, there, there really is nothing concrete one way or the other. That's one of the problems. Various states in the United States though have legalized the use of marijuana for medical purposes. Yeah, that's correct. Well, I mean, it's California's one. Colorado has it, it, it legalized across the board for whatever purpose. Washington is another. New York's about to to enact the same legislation. Uruguay is one of those countries where it's where it's legal to do anything you want with with <laughs> cannabis. Um, other countries like Iran and Switzerland have uh, laws that make it completely legal to grow it. And then it stops there. So it, it depends on where you are that uh, you've got to look more carefully. Absolutely. It's but we live here. We live here now. And we face a situation where right now, I'm sure over a certain number of grams in your possession, you're, counted, you're treated as a dealer and you could be locked up in jail. Sure. I mean, Bruce, this is a, this, as far as South Africans are concerned, is a, is a prohibited drug. This is not something that we play with. To a large degree, though, uh, th- there has been a, a relaxation of uh, cannabis use, possession, uh, and, and so forth uh, in, in certain quantities. I'm not saying that huge quantities sure. don't attract a, a legal sanction, but in small quantities, there appears to be a trend of, of decriminalization occurring in, in South Africa. It's just too much to police and it's too difficult to police. But doesn't, by legalizing for the medical use of, of Dacha, doesn't it add in a new requirement to, of even more policing? Doesn't it make it even more regulated? I, it, it does. Because you need a whole, a whole bureaucratic infrastructure, so to speak, to police 
how much marijuana is in any particular institution, whether it's private or public, who is dispensing it, who is receiving it, and what are they doing with it? Yeah. So, and where is it grown? How is it processed? Who produces? Who packages? How is it labeled? I mean, bearing in mind, we have very, very strict anti-smoking laws. Now, do we have, to, do, are we required to integrate anti-tobacco with <laughs> anti-cannabis? Or, you know, is cannabis considered a tobacco product for purposes of smoking? How do we advertise it? And, and if, if somebody in your office is a diabetic and they pop a pill at lunchtime to help them with their diabetes, what stops them from lighting up at their desk well, in suppose, order to, to help their arthritis? Well, you'd have a smoking area, I suppose, and then a cannabis area. <laughs> that would be the answer, I suppose. And you'd have all your colleagues and you became very friendly with you and wanting that, that secondary smoking Correct. relation thing that might happen. And, of course, the other problem is what is treatment? Yeah. You know, wh- 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 how, do you, how do you monitor this treatment? And who can give the treatment? Correct. And do you need to be a specially licensed doctor to administer the treatment? Well, under the, under the proposed legislation, we've got something called pilot sites. And uh, those are either public or private hospitals that will be designated by the minister in uh, in regulations as, as places where you can access your, uh, your your cannabis. Okay, so the pilot sites, that's part of the proposal. But this act seems to be broader than that because it's got a very fancy name. Mm-hmm. And, and that fancy name is the Medical Innovation Bill of 2014. It suggests it goes beyond uh, the legalization of just uh, Dacha. It does. In fact, it's it's quite interesting. I had to read this this piece of legislation a couple of times, primarily just to believe it. But why? I mean, hold on a second. Why are you incredulous about this? Because it it seems to take a very very aspirational view of what in fact is happening in healthcare in South Africa. There is a a number of realities that South Africans live with daily: tuberculosis, HIV, trying to get medication. Even the simplest medication is sometimes an effort for a lot of South Africans to receive. Pharmacies aren't available. Medicine isn't always available. Prices are high. Treatments are sometimes very expensive. Now we're talking about something called innovation um, in the absence of evidence-based treatment. And what it's saying is that doctors in these pilot sites are going to be encouraged or should be encouraged to adopt treatment regimens or treatment protocols that might not necessarily be widely accepted. And to be a little bit more daring, so to speak, with your health in mind for purposes of perhaps achieving uh, a, a good outcome. And, and you might go to one of these places when you feel as if your options have run out in the traditional medical sphere. But it does open the avenue for the lunacy of garlic, beetroot and African potato to treat HIV and AIDS. That's what's worrying me. Uh, you know, we have an exceptionally controlled healthcare system. And we are not unusual. Healthcare systems and healthcare regulation is densely populated around the world. Healthcare is a very, very controlled area. Yeah. And this just seems to be counterintuitive to that control, where you're opening it up and you're saying, look, doctor, if you think that you know, rubbing the, the, the skin infection with, with the back of a potato will solve the problem, then do it. Uh, and, and hopefully it'll work. And and then there's sort of a self-admission here where the, 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 the bill says, look, if it goes horribly wrong, this treatment, you can't sue the doctor because mm. the, the, the doctor will have been trying really hard to, to make things work. The doctor so, may be mad and may be smoking the legalized marijuana that they've take, been taking in rather than paying attention to their medical books. Yeah, as a jurisdiction that comes from beetroot and potatoes yeah. and onions and, and lemon juice, we have to be very, very sober 
yeah. about what it is that we promote as viable healthcare solutions. So th- th- there's some principles in this act, and many legal, the many bits of legislation start out very nobly in their intent, and we may very well see as a result of this a legalization of medical use of marijuana, which may or may not have medicinal properties. But there is a consequence to badly drafted legislation. That's correct. And we're headed down that path in this particular well, case. Well, l- let's give it the benefit of the doubt for the moment. It may change in the process. This has got a long way to go through Parliament sure. and a legislative process. It, it may very well change. I'm not altogether convinced that uh, the way in which this is currently drafted is restricted to the medical use of marijuana only. Um, it does appear to be a matter of sharing the jurisdiction between the Minister of Health for, med- for, for medical use, but also, interestingly, commercial or industrial uses of the of uh, cannabis, which is to be identified by the Minister of Trade and Industry and mm. Regulation. So it seems to go a little bit further. Uh, maybe um, th- there's there's some change in the South African climate in relation to what marijuana is or what it can do. Yeah, okay, but it's broader than that and it's concerning from that perspective. Uh, great professional discretion is the thing that scares you most in this particular book. Yeah, greater professional discretion greater. is what's been, uh, what's been used. I, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Okay, so there's greater professional discretion, which is concerning. Uh, and then ultimately, if it reduces the cost of private and public health care, that is pretty good, isn't it? I don't know how cannabis does that. I don't understand the link between introducing something like cannabis. Which carries an administrative burden and a a legal burden with it as well. Yes, I'm not certain how that reduces the costs of private or public health care. I I don't see the two sitting together at all. Um, It may be that I'm I'm being too legalistic and and might need to be shown a report or two to indicate how those two two concepts are connected. How long until DACA is a legal entity for medical purposes in South Africa based on what you're seeing here? How long does this take to go through the process? Uh, I don't think we're going to see anything for this year or maybe next. Okay, so 2016 possibly. Maybe, maybe possibly. And is, is this broader than just legalization for medical purposes? Because once you open that particular door, I don't know how you police the rest. Well, you see, I don't know how you can't because if you make it, if you make it available for medicinal purposes, somebody has to, to, to either grow it some way. Um, in the economy of the Eastern Cape is going to boom. It could. It could. Someone's going to have to grow it, which doesn't have to be legal. Someone's going yeah. to have to harvest it, possess it, process it, manufacture it, and package it. I mean, all of those people would have to be part of a chain that would be immune from prosecution. So to a large degree, if you're going to say it's okay for medicinal purposes and, and you're going to be relying on a homegrown industry, so to speak, then you're going to have to expand your regulation yeah. beyond uh, the chap who's smoking it in a hospital. The law is a complicated place, and that's why they've got guys like Neil Kirby, who's the head of healthcare and life sciences practice at Worksman's Attorney, to keep an eagle eye on it. A government's planning to legalize cannabis for medical use, but you've just figured out how complicated it really is.